Is there something wrong with this side of the auditorium today? I mean, everybody's seated right here. That's great. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, indeed, good morning. And uh, there's just something about being able to come together and worship God corporately that you can't do by yourself. So thanks for joining together with that. I have uh, been praying for us as a church. I want to encourage us to come next Sunday for uh, our annual meeting, even if you're not a member, just to be a part of things. We're going to have some discussion, looking at the future, that kind of thing, interacting. Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, updating uh, our budget for 2016, voting on it and voting on uh, board members, that kind of thing. So it's all a little bit of the business work. But more important, just to be able to come together as a church family. And um, the chili cook-off deal, if you can just mark bringing chili and number of kids on the back of your car, that helps us sort of plan for the day. But uh, 5.30, there are no football games next Sunday. <laughs> Different than this afternoon that I know many of you are looking forward to, uh, myself included. Peyton Manning, we're just wanting to get one more Super Bowl. Those of us who are from Indiana with the Colts, and then we're good. And uh, so I know you all have your own teams cheering for, but next Sunday there's nobody to cheer for uh, but to come here and join together and be a part of the family. So please uh, make a special effort to do that. Even if you're new to the church, just come and hang out. It's a great social time to have. But I've been praying for us as a church because I think this is um, a very unique year, and I'm going to be sharing some of that next Sunday. But uh, God is continuing to work in uh, big and small ways, and um, I just love being a part of the awakening. We began a new series last week, and uh, the series uh, was entitled Cross Training. Some of you are athletic people, some of you couldn't care less. Uh, But cross training is not going to be dealing with your physical development, it's going to be talking about your spiritual development. And we mentioned last week that there are two key things to hold in tension or in balance, and that is the trusting and the training. The trusting solely in Christ is critical. You have no righteousness, you have no goodness other than that which is through God in Christ dwelling within you. And so just give up trying to be the new and improved. Trust in Christ's righteousness. As surely as I'm seated on this stool and trusting this stool. You need to trust solely in Christ. So we are not ever, ever in this series negating the importance of trusting solely in Christ. However, after having trusted solely in Christ and doing it every day, every moment of every day, we just don't sit around and sort of wait for Jesus to come back. (laughs) No, we are called to be holy, to be Christ-like. And so we take the tension point of trusting and put it in combination with training. Trusting solely in Christ and training fully after Christ. And the training aspect, there are certain disciplines that you and I put into our life that help develop us spiritually, no matter where you're at. Now, if you're on the outside looking in as it relates to understanding what it means to have a relationship with Christ, or you've never crossed that line, that would be front and center. That's really important to do, is to trust in Christ and invite Him to be the leader, to be the Savior of your life. But having done that, you need to go into training, and in the training there are going to be certain disciplines, or in cross-training they talk about different uh, sports to be in, because if, if you swim, if you run, if you bike, if you rock climb, I don't know what it is, you're using different muscles. And so we're positioning four different disciplines 
you could call them calisthenics in one sense, you know, activities, that are going to work muscles in your spiritual development that are going to strengthen you. And you may not realize it from one day to the next, one week to the next, but over the period of time, if you engage in these disciplines, and there's a myriad of different disciplines we're just picking for for this series, you will look back and go, I'll be. I have really gained spiritual strength. I have developed in ways I never thought. And uh, it was funny, we... uh, Yesterday was Levi's birthday, and he turned 17, and, and so we said, hey, we'll go to Dick's Sporting Goods, and we're going to, you know, you can get a pick what you want for your birthday. It'll be a big deal, right? You can walk into Dick's Sporting Goods. He walked up to some mannequin that had the six-pack and everything on it, you know, and it had one of those muscle shirts all tight and dry fits tights, and he says, I want that. And I looked at him, and I said, buddy. We could buy you that shirt, but what that man has and that man, you don't get that just by showing up at Dick's and buying it, right? If you want to have those muscles and those pecs and everything, I say, you've got to work at it, right? So also sometimes I think us Christians think that we're just going to ride and say, I want to look like, you know, and you fill in the blank, the person you think is really solid spiritually. It does not happen by just showing up at church. It happens by you going into training. Critical inputs for a vital faith. Last week we looked at the critical input of shepherding. The four, she- the four disciplines we're looking at are shepherding, scripture, solitude, and stewardship. Last week we looked at shepherding out of John 10. And not only did we do it last Sunday, uh, but we shared a little bit on it yesterday at our men's breakfast at the Broken Yoke. But with this aspect of shepherding, just as a quick review, we were saying that one of the disciplines, activities you need to be involved in is caring for other people. Caring for other people. Yes, your family, but beyond family, are there individuals that you're taking on to specifically shepherd? And there are four aspects to shepherding we looked at last week. And you can listen to last week's message. I think it's really important for us to see these aspects. But these are the four. The first is to know. To know somebody closely, not just in passing, get to know them. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And we can only shepherd a few. To feed, to feed sheep, to be able to instruct, encourage, to guide and direct. To lead. He led them out and he would lead them back in, the shepherd would. And then protect. Protect from the wolves, protect from um, all the different downfalls sometimes that somebody can step into in life. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the word good is just not a sense of moral good, though he is truly the ultimate good person, the good Savior. But good also means modeling. I am the model shepherd. It still amazes me after all these years I've been in vocational ministry when you try to think how do you press out on ministry and develop things and, and, and you know build churches, build programs, reach more people, that Jesus, the God of the universe, came and His plan was just to pick 12 guys. And He poured His life into the 12. I'm like, really? Now, he had a lot of people listen to him, preach, people would follow him, but his primary focus was shepherding. Twelve. Shepherding needs to be one of your calisthenics, one of your activities. And one of the main reasons is when you give your life away, 
when you pour into someone else's life and you help feed and lead and protect them, you get outside of yourself. And you stop being so myopic and self-centered. Wow. There are some needs. I have something to offer. I can encourage a person. We live in a very narcissistic world. And shepherding is a part of God's kingdom world. Who are you shepherding? Yes, beginning with family, kids maybe, but somebody around you. As I exhorted the men yesterday, we just need to be doing this. There was always a plurality of spiritual leaders, elders, and churches. The professional clergy idea, it came after a century or so, and things headed south then. It was always a plurality of the body of people shepherding and encouraging one another. All right, so that's shepherding. I just want to make sure that you're focused in on that first discipline, especially if you missed last week. And uh, we are stepping into a second discipline today, and that is the discipline of Scripture. That is the discipline of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 in a little bit. Um, We'll go back off that slide there. Thanks. Um, I want to open it up, though. This is like open mic time. I want you to tell me, yeah, you're going you're gonna to raise your hand and you're going to speak out your answer. <coughs> I want you to tell me one of the lies that you hear on a semi-regular basis in our world. What's a lie that you hear propagated in our world? And it may be something you hear from the media. It may be something you hear from your coworker in the next cubicle. It may be something that your neighbor continues to sort of throw in your face. I don't know. What are some of the lies that our world tries to push upon us? Karen? You don't have enough time. You don't have enough time. All right? Another lie. Mike? You don't have to go to church in order to have a good relationship with Jesus. All right? You don't have to go to church to have a good relationship with Christ. Sarah? All right. If you have beliefs you're speaking out that you hate against them, um, even some other bigger picture kind of lies that just are in media culture around us. Yeah, Isabella. Trust me. Trust me. Come on, just trust me. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. Do you have one? It's gone. Gone. Debbie. Okay, the Bible's full of contradictions. It doesn't make sense. Dave? More gets you happier. More gets you happier. More, more, more. Equal happy, happy, happy. Right, Mike? Uh, the church is full of hypocrites. Church is full of hypocrites. All right? Over here, Robin. Um, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. That's a great way. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's just a part of culture. Yeah. Anybody else want to throw in one out? Oh, Mike's got all kinds of them back here. What do you got? <laughs> just chill out. I'm okay. You're okay. Just chill out. Lynn? Money is the most important thing. Money is the most important thing. What your portfolio is. What your retirement is. How much you have for that. I remember one time talking to a guy who was, I was on some vacation and they sit around the discussion. They were fairly well-to-do people. He was a very young guy. And the discussion was, how much money do you need to really retire? And he was talking about at 30 years of age. And he was talking like, I need $5 million because a million wouldn't be enough. And I was like, wow. I just don't even think about that, you know? Other, anyone else? A lie that you hear spoken of 
Sometimes they're subtle. What are some of the lies? You know, you're going to have a bunch of Super Bowl commercials coming up. That'll that'll die you into some lies. Anybody else want to give it a charge? Lies that the world speaks to us. Twenty years younger with this cream. That's you know. Look, hey, I can tell you where to get to that diet if you want. Yeah, looks and image. All right, looks, image, wealth, popularity. All right. What about sometimes on a personal level and you're seeking advice and people come and tell you certain things? Well, this is my thought. Like, well, everybody is doing it. Or anything's on a personal line that you've had. Maybe lies that just... And maybe I shouldn't describe them as lies, but you're just like, eh, I don't know if that's really ringing right. We deserve to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah. Anything else? The subtle counsel of some of your closest friends, maybe. Now, sometimes it's really good stuff that people tell us, right? But sometimes you have to dial in and say, I don't know about that. This is why I ask. I want you to tell me how you're going to distinguish a true lie. Is it going to be by popular opinion? You know, we're in political season. And it seems like politicians today spend an awful lot of time looking at what? The polls. Or, you know, well, here was a survey. I think I'll swing my thoughts this direction. I'll swing my thoughts that direction, right? Because you're trying to get as many people interested in voting for you. But is the popularity vote the way to determine if something is a lie or not? How do you determine this? But see, you and I live in a culture where a lot of people would say, well, it's, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, so let's just all chill out and let's just go our own way. Relativism is rampant. And if you don't dial into relativism and sort of give that permission for people, then you really are a narrow-minded, maybe religious person or just a narrow-minded, even bigot kind of person. You're like, wait a second. Do we just sort of throw it up in the air and decide how it lands? And decide? And most of you are here for a reason today, sitting in a church, because you believe that there is a source of truth. You believe that there is a way to discover truth. And so we would say, no, it's just not all conjecture. It's not according to polling. It's not according to just opinion. There is what is true and what is false. Now, sometimes there's not necessarily, I don't call them gray areas, but things that are held in tension, all right? And God is a God of, you know, beauty and a lot of choices, you know? He's not a cookie-cutter kind of God. But it concerns me, not so much sometimes with the world, because the world is what it is, and we live in the mission field that we're in, but it concerns me inside, if you will, the walls of those who are believers of Christ, of how you and I discern what is true. What are we being fed? Friends, we spend a lot more time being fed by the media and becoming a consumer, I believe, than we ever do sometimes as it relates to knowing God and knowing His Word. You will never train unto godliness until Scripture becomes prominent as a daily, weekly discipline 
of your life. And it's not the sermon for the pastor to give the big Abbey and pull out the Bible and do the Bible thumping. Friends, it is true. We are blown by the winds here and there. And we have to be able to calibrate what truth is. And God has given us His Word for that. 2 Timothy 3.14 If you'll look at this, this is a, a great passage in summing up the importance and prominence of Scripture. This is the Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy. Of course, Timothy, young, as related to them, was probably about 40 years old. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, Timothy, and have become convinced of, because you know that from you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the Apostle Paul, leader of that day, he was one who was um, trying to exhort the Jesus way, trying to interpret the Scriptures related to now the coming of Christ as the Messiah. But Paul and uh, his peers were up against a lot of persecution. And Paul, behind this letter, is a persecuted person for the faith that he has. Then there are the persecutors. These are the people that were telling Paul that what he was teaching was heresy. Or they were trying to throw in more legalism, a works righteousness, if you've got to do these things in order to be accepted by God. And he was being shunned by a lot of people, and he was even being attacked physically. He's being drugged sometimes. Paul was one who was persecuted, but he had his persecutors. And so this is some of the backdrop of the story. But then Paul had his Timothys, people he was doing what? Shepherding. And Timothy was at this place where Timothy needed to know more of the truth and Timothy needed to be in training. And so it's interesting with this that he comes back and he says, first of all, he says, you have known the Holy Scriptures which made you wise into salvation through faith in Christ. We would not have the truth of who Jesus was and is and what He can do in our life unless we had the Scriptures. It's referred to as special revelation. General revelation, as you look at the world and you say, God, somebody must have created all this. There's general revelation to everybody, but the special revelation comes through the Scripture and the Word of God. And so, Paul, in this particular section, he then says all Scripture is God-breathed. It means it's inspired. It comes from God. And we could spend a lot of time debating you know, the subject of inerrancy and what people believe in Scripture. And it's a huge, huge issue because if you don't believe this is God-breathed and inspired and the errant Word of God as originally given, then um, as Francis Schaeffer used to say, it's the watershed issue. If you don't believe that, you're going to go into one river on one side of the mountain or you're going to go into another river on the other side. And liberalism and a lot of things that have come into churches are solely on this, is it truly a God-inspired word? If it's just man's conjecture and a pile of man's opinions, just like the lies that we sort of throw out there, then why should we build our lives on it? But if it's God-breathed, if it's inspired, if it's an errant word of God is originally given, then we need to hold this truly as a sacred book. Not the book itself, not the pages, but the truth that's in the book. All right? 
And so he says, it's Holy Spirit, God inspired. The message puts it this way. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. And there's three things, there's four things here. Showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task that God gives us. So, basically, he says, all right, here's the Scripture. For those who are persecuted, all right, it's showing us truth. It's encouragement for those of us who are persecuted. For those who are the persecutors, all right, who are attacking, then it's going to be correcting and exposing. And then for Timothy, one who is trying to be raised up, it is for training purposes. So whatever category you find in, the Word of God speaks to where people are at. It is God-breathed. It's useful. One way or another, you name it, it's going to be able to be applied to your life. It's going to show us the truth because there's lies all over the place. It's going to, what? Expose our rebellion, correct our mistakes, and train us un to godliness. Charlie King was a uh, old-time street preacher. He was in New York City. There were some horrendous pictures coming out of the East Coast, weren't they, last night and today? That was a lot of snow. Southern California people, some of you never experienced that. I've experienced that. I loved being snowed in for a few days, but then I just wanted it to disappear. <laughs> but I saw Times Square last night on the TV, and it's like faking, you know. You weren't supposed to be on the roads. And so I can picture uh, Charlie King a number of years ago when street preachers were around a lot and they didn't have like the modern stuff. He would go out and he would stand on the corner. He would throw his big hat down. Then he would start looking around it. He would start going like this. And then he would start running. And, and people would start to notice, what's he doing? He would start saying, it's alive! It's, it's alive! It's alive! Oh my goodness, it's alive! And he'd start getting a crowd coming around. And he would then take the hat, lift it up, and there was a Bible underneath. <laughs> and he'd say, it's alive! It's alive! It speaks today! It's not an ancient book of history. It's a word that can come to you from God for the hour, for the moment of the day. Do you believe that this God-inspired word is alive? And is it alive in your life? I like the term saturation. We need, as followers of God, or even if you're checking out God, you can just become scripture saturated. If we are not Scripture saturated, we're going to be media saturated. Alright? We're going to be, you know, you, you name the ism in our world, you'll be saturated that way. Saturation. Do you ever, uh, did you do one of the, the early little chemistry experiments, right, in elementary school with saturation? Here's a glass of water. Let's pour a little salt into it. And the salt disappears. I actually did this for my project, right? So this is not saturated. To pour the salt in, it disappears. Now that's saturated a little bit, lightly saturated, more saturated. And then when it became completely saturated, where would the salt go? 
to the bottom. And you would call that supersaturated. And sometimes, I wish I could do a chemistry experiment with some of you. I try to do it with myself. Are you Scripture saturated? Or are you just plain Jane, plain Joe? There's really nothing in you that speaks of truth in Scripture. You might have some conjecture and opinions, but it doesn't come from you. Some of you are just lightly, you're starting to get a little bit of Scripture. You're salty, truthy. Some of you, you're super saturated, man. Whoa! It's like sometimes it's a little overwhelming. It's like, okay, cut the Bible stuff, you know? He's like, hey, you know, it's like, oh, it's just, I sort of live in it, and this is what comes to my mind, and those kinds of things. You know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't beat people up with the Bible, right? But you're, you're using what God has spoken to you from His alive and active Word in your everyday life. Scripture saturation does not come about unless you are intentional in training it. I am very pleased with the number of people uh, that are in life groups or rooted groups here uh, the first of the year. So I mentioned last week, 80 people signed up, and that you know there were other men that were at uh, uh, the breakfast the other day, and though we're not only going to do that on a monthly basis kind of deal, I'm just like, yes, 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 because... I know with, especially those who are going through the storybook or through the rooted book, there's a lot of scripture in there. And there's encouragement to even memorize scripture. And where you need to be at is just not casually glancing over that scripture. Oh yeah, this. But to allow that scripture to speak to your soul, to speak to your life situations on a regular basis. Others of you are very disciplined in becoming scripture saturated. But some of you are not that way. And some of you used to be that way, and life got busy. I'm in that category a lot. Oh my gosh, I'm a pastor. I just blew through a whole week without spending hardly any time in God's Word except for sermon prep. Well, I don't care about sermon prep, God says to me. He says, I want to know about your personal life and how that's spoken into you. And I realize that you're not going to become scripture saturated to really give two hoots about this training discipline in your life unless there's some motivation to do it. And so let me list for you a few things that I think come from scripture being a regular discipline in your life. The first is this, to inform my mind concerning truth. I need my mind informed consistently concerning truth. J. Oswald Sanders says this, Deepening intimacy with God is the outcome of our desire. And uh, that goes for all of these I'm going to make mention. But I think there is this passionate need for us to understand that if we don't have the Scripture framing our thoughts and our perspectives on reality in our personal life, then it's going to be framed by someone else. I'm always amazed by uh, the debate that, you know, like say, you know, religion shouldn't be in school or prayer shouldn't be in school. These are kinds of, as if you can have this neutral realm to exist in. You are going to be framed and formed by something. And if you're in an environment that is godless, I'm not saying wicked, I'm saying without God, then that's going to frame your perspective. Alright? So, we need Scripture. I need Scripture to inform my mind concerning the truth. Concerning the truth. 
The second is I need to bring wisdom to my everyday decisions. And these first two are tied together when you look at Romans 12, verse 2. Let's read this together. Ready? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hey, Dad, I want that shirt. I want what that guy has on his body. Levi, you can't have that. It won't look that way on you, right? (laughs) You need to have motivation to go into physical training. Maybe it's to lose weight. Maybe it's to look good in your surfer gear. I don't know. Maybe it's just to feel healthy. You have to have motivation to go into spiritual training. And I'm telling you, do you want your mind to be informed concerning what truth really is? Do you want wisdom to know what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will in your everyday decisions even? Then the Scripture needs to be part of your training. You need to become saturated with it. And then the Oswald Chambers thing, deepening intimacy with God is the outcome of deep desire. Third, I would say this. Scripture, I need it to draw me into a relationship with Christ. See, the reason that this is alive, and we're not being sufficient when we say this Scripture is alive. It's God-breathed. That means the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, gives witness to it. And when you start to interact with it, guess what? You are interacting in the presence of Jesus and His Spirit. So I'm like, wow, let me get to God's Word. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, stay away from the Leviticus stuff. All right, some of the really... I encourage you to go to the New Testament stuff. In particular... If you have a red letter version of the Bible, because the red letters are the exact, oh, they're the words of Jesus, right? I'm saying, wow, Jesus spoke this to them. He could speak this to me. We become so commonplace with stuff as as spiritual as Christians sometimes. <laughs> the God of the universe, His Son Jesus, who created all things. In Him we live and move and have our being. Scripture says that God has given us words He spoke when He walked in bodily form here on earth. Oh, diggity dog! Let me at Him! I'd love to have been around when Jesus was alive or when I was the one of the twelve. Well, friends, there's no difference in one sense spiritually. Yes, physically, Jesus was not in bodily form. He's coming back again someday. Yes, physically, you weren't seated in His little shepherding group of 12 people. But spiritually, you and I can sit in the presence of God. He draws me into a relationship. I read His Word. I interact with His Word, even the parts I don't understand. And I say, Lord, you're alive. Speak to me from this. Don't ever fall into the doldrums concerning Scripture. Like, that's my duty. Go check it on my list. No, let it speak to you. And find a place where that can happen. We're going to be talking about solitude next week as a training aspect, so we'll get into a little bit more. But you need to know, for this particular juncture, on this particular discipline, on this day, that Scripture draws you into a relationship with Christ. Do not go to Scripture merely 
to get answers for your problems. How many of you, when you get a new appliance, read the whole appliance book? How much of, how much of the appliance book do you even read at all? Except for maybe the startup section? You go to your appliance book normally when what happens? Something's wrong. And that's usually what happens with Scripture a lot of times. I don't, hey, things were coasting good. We're doing well. Oh, man. Bottom just fell out in my life. I better, better seek God. Well, I'm glad you're seeking God. Damn, but friends, this is not an answer book or even a how-to book. This is a book to bring you into communion with God and understand His big redemptive picture, what's going on in the world as well as in your personal life. And it's alive. And see the Scripture as something that's endearing. It's been gifted to us through the ages. And that we get to not only hold it in our hands, but we get to feed off of it. We get to have it inform our minds. We do get to have it guide us into decision-making. And we get to meet the alive God in the Scriptures. So these three are critical things. And you have to come to a place of believing them to be true. And if you're not in Scripture, if you're not seeking Scripture saturation, these three are not a part of your life. If you, if you choose to run without them, that's fine. I mean, the sweat off my back. I'm just telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out. So where's the priority at of Scripture and the training aspect? Some of you are familiar with Navigators. Navigators uh, was, is a, a parachurch ministry to disciple people, to train them uh, in godliness, to be able to train them in Scripture and other things. It actually started here in the Southern California by a man, by, uh, by a man by the name of Dawson Trotman uh, and uh, reaching out to the, uh, the Navy community. All right? And uh, I came back across to this last week and I thought, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there for people. A lot of times it looks a little, you know, a little... Um, uh, a, a navigator, if you know navigators. But navigators has been great over the years in training people into godliness and getting them into Scripture, memorization of Scripture and other things, if you're familiar with it. But navigators has this real simple um, diagram of a hand holding a Bible. And there are five ways that you need to become Scripture-saturated. The first is hear, the second is read, the third is study, the fourth is memorize, and the fifth is meditate. And each one of the fingers holding that Bible has one of those words on it. So these are five different ways that you begin to take this word and let it saturate in your life. Alright? And we're just going to look at these briefly. I'm going to give some encouragement and some pointers from it. Alright? The first is to hear. Romans 12:17 says this, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Give you applause. Guess what? You chose today to come and to hear the word of God spoken. You read it off that screen, even that passage there. You are hearing the word of God. One of the interesting things for us, we are so blessed. For another thing we're mindful, we, we actually have the Scripture, whether it's here or electronic form or something, we can read it. In the old days, you didn't have that. The only way they heard the Word of God was, you know, they, they would show up in the, in the large gathering rooms, all right? Many times in synagogue and stuff, and they would open the scrolls, Jesus taught in those kind of gatherings, and they would speak the Word over people. Because a lot of times the illiterate couldn't read. There were no Xerox copy machines. Here, let me hand it out. The way you found truth in Scripture was sitting underneath the Word spoken to you. 
And there's something valuable about hearing Scripture. Even as I relate my personal life sometimes, I just want to hear the Scripture. Because when I hear it rather than read it, then I start to see things or discover things maybe I didn't before. And sometimes I think, uh, this is a big one, it was taught to me early on, I believe it to be true, in, in, in modern times, Western world, when printing press, and we all started getting copies of the Bible, and it wasn't had to go through a priest or something like that, right? Is that we started to read it, which has been so great and liberating, but then we started to think that when you look over it, you sort of control the Word of God. You are over the Word of God, rather than when you hear it, you're sitting underneath the Word of God. And it's speaking into your life. And so I love the whole concept of hearing Scripture. I need to hear Scripture. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. The second is read. Revelation 1.3 NLT says this, God blesses the one who reads the words of the pro- this prophecy to the church. And He blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. For the time is near. Scripture saturation, a lot of times, um, uh, and we'll talk about study and other things here in just a second, but just read it. Just read it. Don't get parked anywhere. You know, there's going to be things that you don't understand. I mean, Mark Twain wasn't all that great of a spiritual person. But he said, you know, some people are bothered by what they don't understand about Scripture, but I'm bothered by what I do understand. <laughs> just read it. If you need to move past a name you can't pronounce or a certain thought, that's fine. Just, just allow it to be a part of your cons- consumption of reading material on a regular basis. And maybe a particular time during the day, whether morning, evening, whatever it might be. We'll talk about that more next week. But there's just this, this need to read Scripture. Read the stories. Have a reading plan. Now, some of you are familiar with this. Some of you are not. I want to make sure that you are. There was a church in Oklahoma, is a church in Oklahoma, called Life Church TV. And the church is big church. And it's, it's got a lot of multi-sites because it's truly... I mean, our .TV and our website stands sort of for Temecula Valley, we thought. And so that's, that's all right. But their .TV truly stands for the media they work with. And their church is really spread in a lot of multi-sites through um, um, their internet media connections. There were some guys in their church that set out to develop an app for Scripture. It has become the most popular, famous app for Scripture, and it's free. It's called Uversion. Are you familiar with it? Uversion. You can read, listen, watch, share. You get the free app. And this is what's amazing to me. When I think, I think about this week, man, it's like, where'd my Bible go? I should have hauled my Bible. I don't want to take my Bible to school. People look at me, kind of thing. But it can be secretly right here. <laughs> they can think you're watching NFL Mobile. And you're really reading Scripture. If you go to our church app, the Awakening app, and just go to one of the stores and look at the Awakening Church. There's several of them, but you can find our app on there. It's an icon right on the front. The Scripture, Bible. Click it. Or go and download the Version app. And this app will give you the Scripture and different kinds of uh, translations. It will give you a reading plan if you want to read through for a month, a year. It will help you share your reading plan for accountability with a friend, even. And one of the things that's cool on here, related to this whole thing of both hearing and reading, 
is that the app also has a voice version of some scriptures. So you can go on the app and um, you can go, here we are. I have gone to a passage. No, I don't want to tell you how great I think this app is. Um, here, you always get those things, right? I am going to hit my play button. The book of James, chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is a tremendous gift. This app has soared in popularity in just the last few years. Over 50 million downloads of this app. God knows what he's doing in our world. And what a great tool. Now, I have one of the unique privileges that probably few people have concerning this app. That gentleman's big voice that you just heard, he was at my seminary as a professor and he taught us. He was one of the people that inspired me to memorize scripture. He would talk about the importance of a pause when you're reading scripture. You know, the importance of an emphasis or this kind of thing. His name is Max McLean and uh, you can get his stuff. I originally got Max's McLean's reading of the scriptures on cassettes. Do you, you remember him? All kinds of things. But now I got the app. Here we go. And Max McLean would just speak scripture and so I personally see Max speaking that to me whenever I listen to the app right yeah, good Christian missionary alliance man I want to exhort you in hearing and reading to let the word roll over your life and you figure out how that can happen oh man here's my iTunes these are my songs this is my rotation list great great which well, is for one day one day at workout while you're on that treadmill. Just do the scriptures. And yeah, your mind can tune out. Like, oh, I will stop listening. Well, then you come back. Oh, yeah, I need, I'm, scripture, yeah. Oh, there was a good point again, right? There are means for us to become more aggressive in this training related to scripture. All right? The next is study. Acts 17.11 says this, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scripture day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. We could spend several days parked here on how to study scripture. You need to know this. There is a difference between reading and studying scripture, and it comes down usually to just making notes. We forget a lot of what we hear, but if you take a pencil and a hand, even a short pencil is longer than the longest memory. Write things down, interact, study. That's one of the things I like about the life group, the storybook, and the rooted book, is you are reflecting and writing after reading. All right? Spend time diligently doing that this week. So when you come together for your group, we're not pooling our ignorance or opinion. 
we're pooling not just the scripture that we've learned and interacted with, but we're pooling the thoughts of experiencing God drawing near to Jesus during that time. And I think that's what makes our group's dynamics. Like, oh, God spoke to you about that this week? Well, this is what God shared with me on this. And so we come together to mutually support and encourage one another and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ as surely as the depth of our relationships one with another. So studying is critical. And you're going to work at applying it to your lives. If I can say this, it's about transformation. It's not about information. I've known a lot of people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they're very poor at living out what the truth of Scripture teaches I want to just give another, as I, I should get commissioned for this, um, a, a little promo here. Sometimes I get asked, what do you use software-wise for your scriptural issues? I have found, and you may have found something different that's better, that's fine, but there is a software called Logos. We're into version 6 now. But Logos Bible software is a tremendously powerful tool. And yeah, it costs money. I think the entry-level version is like 300 bucks, and the collector's edition out the other end is like 10000 bucks. And the reason is that because literally you have scads and scads of books, libraries. It's not just the scriptures. It's all commentaries. Other things. I downloaded a whole set of commentaries uh, just here recently that I've always wanted to have with me. But Logo Software is a great software if you're looking for a software to work with studying the scripture. And if you'd like to get even into the original language, the Greek and the Hebrew, it's all there and you can interact and do word studies and they also have even current events and other stuff about Scripture and the discoveries of Scripture. Study is a serious discipline related to Scripture. I need to pass on it quickly and move to the next. Memorize. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If I could ask you how long you could go speaking scripture that you've memorized, how long would you last? By God's grace over the years, I've been able to build up a lot of memorized scripture. Let me give an exhortation to you, especially if you're younger here this morning. Memorize when you're younger. It's not only easier, but you retain it. I don't know if my hard drive's full or what, and I just need to do a zap or something. I memorize Scripture Day like I used to in the old days, and I can't recall it that well the following week. And I'm like, doggone it, I waste my time. No, I was in the presence of God. But take time to memorize. Because a timely word will come to you if the Word of God is hidden in your heart. I was um, laying in bed a few weeks ago wrestling with some things God had been working in my life and in ministry. And I just need to hear a voice from God. I need to hear truth. And what came to my mind was Proverbs, five, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. I just kept repeating it over and again and, and emphasizing different words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, 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 not on your own understanding. 
carry, carry. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's balm for the wounds and the challenges of life. Scripture memorization. I know it's hard. I know you don't have time. But in one sense, you're missing out on the greatest way, I think, to let the living Word of God speak into your life on a regular basis. And the fifth is meditate. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, Psalm 1-2 says, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Actually, what I just did there with the scripture of Proverbs is a bit of a meditation. I'm meditating. I'm ruminating. I'm allowing it to feed in my mind. Meditating. um, I'll take certain phrases and I'll just say, Lord, what, what do you want to speak to me about that phrase? What would that say to me in my life today? These five things, I like them from the navigator's hand. Hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate are ways to become saturated more with Scripture in your life, to be in training, a vital, critical input to be able to build your faith. I was going to sum it up there, but there was one I could not get away from that I needed to add to our prior list. Not only should Scripture inform my mind, it will inform my mind concerning truth, bring wisdom to my everyday decisions, and draw me into a deepening relationship with Christ. There's a fourth one I want to list for you, and it's this. Scripture will defeat the enemy in the spiritual realm. Scripture will defeat the enemy in the scripture in the spiritual realm. Matthew four, verse three, if we can put that up on the slide. It says this in Matthew four, the next slide. But Jesus told him, Who's him? The devil, the enemy. Jesus was tempted for forty days in the wilderness before he started his ministry fasting without food. Satan came to him and he said, here, turn these stones into bread. And what did Jesus do? I don't think it's a good idea. He immediately went to Scripture. No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Three times he was tempted, three times. Where did he go? To a popular magazine? To his neighbor next door? He went to the Scripture and he said, no, the Word of God says this. The Word of God says this. You and I are in battle whether we realize it or not. This may be foreign to some of you, but friends, there is a spiritual realm. God's in that spiritual realm with His angels, but there's fallen angels headed up by the lead fallen angel, Lucifer, who is Satan himself, and he has a kingdom that is hell-bent in destroying your life and your kids. And you better have Scripture in hand to fight them. I won't go in length about this. I hope it doesn't throw you for a loop. I think I've mentioned it before in this church. I've had opportunity over years to be involved in a number of what some people refer to as deliverance sessions, sessions where people have been hounded by unclean spirits, and I've had to work with them, and I've seen them freed. And in those sessions, uh, when I'm leading those deliverance times, (coughs) unclean spirits will get rather sometimes violent and stubborn. They need to be reminded of truth. And you may think this is bizarre. I'll just tell it to you and I'm moving on and we're closing. I will take a Bible like this. This is my original study Bible. That's why I brought it out today. And I will speak words of truth in that session 
and I will say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not do whatever is happening. You will not control this. And if you do not leave, I will bring the word of God. In Ephesians 6, and we won't go there, it talks about take your stand against the devil's schemes. It says put on the full armor. What's this in Ephesians 6? It's the sword. It's the sword. Put on the, and the sword of truth. And I will literally take a scripture like this and I will place it on their knee. And I say the scripture comes and it cuts you to the quick. You may think it's bizarre. I'm sorry if you do. It, 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 would, it did me before I was ever in these sessions. And literally the person who is struggling with this demonization issue will reel back and go, Don't do that! I'm like, Really? Let me try that again. <laughs> I'm always tempted in those sessions. I have to write for him. But it's the whole I think of, Wow! They don't like the truth. The Scripture is a sword. And that's why I say it will help you defeat the enemy at hand. Let's pray. Lord, there's many things I desire in my own life related to how I grow spiritually and how you see me. I pray, God, for not only me, but for all of us as a church, that we would be people of the book. Not in a legalistic, Bible-thunking kind of way, but that we would let Scripture breathe into our life, that it would speak into our life on a regular basis. Lord, whether through hearing Your Word, reading Your Word, studying Your Word, memorizing Your Word, meditating on Your Word, Lord, may Your Word be powerful in our life to inform us of what truth is. to help us make those decisions we're faced with on a daily basis. To be able to draw us into your presence and be able to defeat the enemy. Lord, for whatever needs to be reorganized in our life to make the word more prominent, I pray that you would help that individual today as they seek you. Lord, we ask this in your name. The ushers are going to come to receive uh, the Lord's tithes and offerings as an act of our worship. We're going to close with a song. You also give us your connection cards. This song is a song that would normally be sung at the front part of a worship service. It's talking about being found in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take this song and think about when and where this week you're going to set a time, a time to be in His presence to hear His truth spoken to your life. And so as we conclude, worship Him with this song. But worship Him not only for us gathered in this place, but where you are going to be gathered this week for the Scripture to be a part of your life.